Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Kicks and Dribbles. I'm Dan McClay, where we examine uh, world soccer every week. And uh, so glad to have you tuned in. Uh, bienvenidos, bienvenidos, uh, bienvenuto, and bienvenu. Very good. All right, let's get on with uh, what happened in Manchester, England this past Sunday. My goodness, we had the Manchester Derby, as it's called, Man City against Man United. What a matchup. And this year... <laughs> We've got two teams that are sitting atop the EPL. Now, Man City has opened up quite a lead on Man United. That's true. But it doesn't matter about the records. It doesn't matter about anything else. When these two teams meet, there's pride on the line because there's a line right down the middle of Manchester, England. I can tell you that from personal experience, okay? There is a line down the middle. The stadium, one stadium for Man United sits on the southwest side, Man uh, City's stadium. The Etihad sits on the northeast side. So right down the middle, there's a line drawn. You're either red or you're blue, either one. Well, this particular encounter took place at the Etihad over there in northeast Manchester on a nice day. Uh, Man City was on a 28-match unbeaten run uh, in the uh, EPL. Quite a, quite a record indeed. Pep Guardiola has done just an amazing job with his team. The guy is just an, an incredible coach. He's part. He's got to be part psychologist. I'm, I'm believing because he, the players respond to him. He's got great talent on the team, and it's just a, a pleasure to watch these guys play. Um, right in the first minute. Now, but before we get into the actual details of the game, when I played, the the coach always would tell you before the game, guys, we need that first goal bad. The coach, every coach, wants that first goal of the game because once you get your uh, opponents on their back heels down a goal, then things change. The dynamics change. Okay. The other team starts pressing a little bit, even though it's early in the game, the other team starts pressing and then things start opening up. Passing lanes open up. Opportunities open up. Uh, it's just, it's, it, it's just something different. So Man City or rather Man United got off to probably the best start you could ever want to imagine. You've got your top guy, Martial, dribbling along the penalty box line inside the first minute uh, of Man City's attack zone. And here, here comes here comes Man United, and guess what? Martial gets tripped by uh, right there at the edge of the box by, uh, by the uh, Man City defender. And next thing you know, Bruno Fernandes is stepping up to take the penalty kick, and whoop, one nothing, Man United, first minute. Now, you've got to think old gunner, who is the coach at Man United, is like living a dream at this point in his mind. Oh my gosh, it's one nothing. I'm up the first minute on Man City and I'm at their stadium. Okay, so what do you do at this point? Well, here's what the mentality should be, and it, and it was for Man United. It was obvious before the or when the game started that Gunner had told these guys to come out with their foot on the accelerator. They wanted to pick up the pace of the game, whereas Man City, it looked like, wanted to dictate the pace of the game and draw it to a pace that, that they felt comfortable. Well, Man United, by getting that first goal, they set the tone, okay? So now the pace is picked up, and Man United did not come off the accelerator. They outran, out-hustled, and out just outplayed Man City. Now, Man City did not play badly, but Man United just played better, bottom line. Okay, my match, or uh, my uh, ball, ball of the match, the, the guy who played the best, Luke Shaw. For Man United, just an incredible game. This midfielder is amazing. This guy runs forever. Uh, he made a run that led to the second goal, uh, and, and of course Luke Shaw scored it. 
but he made a run down the field, probably about 70 yards. He just blew past three Man City guys like they were standing still. With the ball in tow, he was, he was gone. And uh, when they finally caught up with him, he was down deep in the almost at the corner of the penalty box. And he did a little one-two with Marcus Rashford, which was absolutely gorgeous. And then Shaw buried it on the far post. An absolutely incredible goal. And uh, this is the kind of stuff that happens when you get that first goal of the game and you also keep your foot down on the accelerator. You do not let up. It was a 2 nothing pasting by Man United of Man City. Now, it brings Man United to within 11 points of uh, the title, which is uh, at this point a, f- a pretty far shot. Ten games left in the season. So uh, I think for uh, for all intents and purposes, it's all over except for the yelling and screaming for Man City uh, to claim the championship. So we'll see how it goes. But I'd say Luke Shaw was the man of the match for the Man City-Man United Derby. It was a great game, very entertaining, well played, and uh, just enjoyed uh, enjoyed it very much. Now, also on Sunday <laughs> – there was a shocker in the EPL that I think a lot of people are still scratching their heads about, and a lot of people are still uh, wondering how it happened, okay? You've got Liverpool playing at their home stadium against uh, Fulham. Of course, Liverpool in Anfield is, is, is an almost a short victory if you're playing a team that's down in the relegation or near the relegation zone, okay? So you've got Liverpool against Fulham in Anfield. Everybody's saying, well, you know, the logical thinking is, okay, eh, 2 nothing, 3 nothing, maybe even 4 nothing. okay? Oh, no. Fulham came out and just did what they had to do. Scott Parker has done a great job with his team, kept them positive, kept them thinking positive all the time, even though they are sitting at the top part of the relegation zone. He's got these guys believing in themselves, and they hustled big time during this game today, or yesterday, or on Sunday, I should say. So, final score was one nothing, Fulham over Liverpool at Anfield. Just an amazing uh, game. Uh, Mario Lamina with the goal at 45 minutes. A great shot from uh, just just inside the penalty box there by the arch. Uh, he went across uh, across the goal, threw a couple of defenders, and the ball went uh, on the off the inside of the post and in. Great uh, great goal there. Uh, wow, uh, Liverpool is still shaking their heads, and they've got a big game coming up on Tuesday in Champions League. All right, let's look also at the other rivalries that took place uh, this past weekend. We had another city rivalry take place on the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid went at it. Talk about a line being painted down the middle of the city. Woo, yes, sir. Yes, indeed. This was played at the Wanda Metropolitano Stadium, which is over there in the east side of Madrid. Beautiful facility built about, oh, three or four years ago. Um, Real Madrid... Uh, going over there to uh, take on Atletico Madrid. Of course, Atletico Madrid right now leading La Liga. And uh, this was an important game for Real Madrid because they needed to keep pace with Atletico if they were going to not lose sight of them coming down the stretch. Well, Atletico Madrid and their their star player, Luis Suarez, he did what he's paid to do, and that's score goals. He got a goal in the 15th minute. Atletico Madrid holding on 1-0 through the entire match until minute 88. Now, you talk about guys who are unsung heroes. You talk about guys who get a lot of money, who are great soccer players, but they don't get the press that, say, a, a Ronaldo gets or a um, or anybody else that you can think of, like maybe a Wayne Rooney would have gotten, okay? Uh, I'm talking about Kareem Benzema. This Frenchman is an amazing player. 
This guy is paid to do. He, he's paid well. He does what he's paid to do. He gets the job done. He's always there when you need him. And he came up with a really important goal. 88th minute, game ended 1-1. Real Madrid salvaged a point. A very important point, I might add, for them in their uh, in their chase to try and maybe get the La Liga title. Uh, as far as shots on goal were concerned, Real Madrid 8-5. to uh, So they carried some of the offense. 61% possession. Okay, Atletico Madrid, 19 fouls to Real's nine. And Atletico Madrid got five yellow cards. So what's that tell you? Well, Diego Simeone probably said, look, guys, we've got to play a physical game against Real Madrid if we're going to win this thing. And he probably sent his guys out there and said, look, you know, do what you got to do. Okay, well, five yellow cards and 19 fouls, that kind of sends a message. But they didn't get the win. Okay, so playing physical all the time is not, not actually the – the answer. Sometimes you got to play good, smart, uh, finesse football along with some physicality. Okay, so it did not work. Um, Real Madrid had six corners to, uh, to Atletico Madrid's one, which means that uh, Real Madrid had uh, pretty good uh, access getting into the attack zone, but they could only uh, make it count one time, and that was in the 88th minute. One-one, the final score of the Madrid derby between Atletico and Real. So we'll go over the standings here in just a minute and uh, see how those games affected everything. Okay, let's kind of take a look around, see what's uh, going on with some of the players. Uh, Christian Pulisic, of course, from the United States. Um, everybody's kind of wondering what's going on here with him in uh, Chelsea because, you know, under Frank Lampard, uh, Pulisic was, you know, the starter in every game. Uh, once uh, Lampard got uh, sent to the uh, highway, uh, Thomas Tuchel took over, and all of a sudden Pulisic now comes off the bench late in the second half. So I'm wondering if maybe uh, – Wondering if maybe you know there's some thought about from the U.S. men's national team about you know the time that Polisic is getting. I know Polisic is coming off an injury, and maybe giving him the time to maybe uh, make sure he's 100. percent And uh, you know that's great because we can use Polisic uh, with the men's national team. Don't forget the uh, end of March we got our uh, friendly with Northern Ireland. Not a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, moving on to Gio Reyna. He did not play in the Bayern Munich uh, Dortmund uh, matchup, which of course is a big rivalry in Germany every year. Uh, Gio was uh, what they say is a minor injury, but there was no details about the minor injury. They say it's not important, uh, nothing really serious. So, okay, they gave him a rest off, but gosh, a rest during an important game. Hmm. Now, during that uh, Bayern Munich Dortmund game, which Bayern Munich won four to two, uh, Eric Holland, you know the superstar there for uh, Dortmund. He came off the field in the second half with what looked to be a cut on his heel. Uh, could have been from an injury. Uh, I mean, could have been from a, you know, being stepped on with a spike or something like that. Uh, they, they tended to it, and then he just sat on the bench and uh, was pretty much quiet the rest of the game, didn't get up and walk around. Uh, nothing serious, I don't think. But, uh, again, Dortmund's got to be concerned about these little injuries that are popping up, especially to some of their better players. Um, you know, Holland did get both goals in that game, by the way. Uh, in the first half, and at one point, uh, Dortmund was up to nothing, and Hans Flick uh, for uh, for Bayern Munich was sitting there on the sidelines, going, "What do I do?" But you know what? There was never any panic, never any panic, because you've got Lewandowski up front, and Lewandowski gets it done. Okay, so uh, anyway, uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see what's going on. Also, uh, Dortmund, by the way, missing Jordan Sancho. Uh, during that game, apparently he's recovering from an injury. And, of course, you know, he's a big uh, gun for the English national team. So we will watch the situation. Dortmund currently holding on in the top 10 of the uh, Bundesliga. But, 
Uh, geez, some injuries popping up here in a, in a very critical time. We'll see how they come up, come about and get around them. All right, I want to take a look at the Scottish League real quick because uh, that league is pretty much over. Of course, it's been over, I think, for the, about the past month because Rangers has just made a complete uh, circle, like three laps around the you know, whole league. Uh, they ended up with 88 points. All that and The league's not finished yet, but they have 88 points at this point. They have been declared the champions of the Scottish League. Let me tell you what, Stephen Gerrard, I remember when this guy played. Stephen was an amazing player, uh, very uh, hard-nosed, uh, not dirty, but just hard-nosed and, and never backed down, got things done, knew how to do uh, the correct things with the ball. He has led this Rangers team. This is the first time in 10 years they've won the Scottish League after, of course, you know they went through a major uh, scandal uh, where they got knocked down to third division and then had to work their way back up. Um, they are now on top of the Scottish League, 88 points. Stephen Gerrard gets a... a Hearty applause uh, from everybody because he's done such a great job. Celtic in second place with 68 at this point, and Hibernian in third place with 52. So you can see what the separation is with the teams there in the Scottish Premier League. Uh, moving on now to the English Premier League. Uh, Man City, as I said, is still on top with 65 points, even though they had that loss. Uh, Man United now at 54 points. Uh, that's 11-point spread with 10 games to pull, 10, uh, you know, 10 games to go in the season. So we will see how that all works out. Uh, Man United, it's got to be feel good that at least if they don't win the championship, at least they're still in the Champions League uh, bracket for next year. Uh, Man United, by the way, the last five games, 2-0-3. Uh, Leicester City continues in third place. I'll tell you what, Leicester City's just been holding that third-place position forever. Uh, really steady uh, playing there. Chelsea in fourth, 3-0-2 uh, with 47 points. Uh, in the 3-0-2 in the last five games. And Everton, with Carlo Ancelotti, 46. I told you when Ancelotti got hired that they'd be in the top 10, and by gosh, there they are, okay? Then you got Tottenham with 45. West Ham and David Moyes at 45 also. Liverpool, 43. Aston Villa at 40, and Arsenal at 38. You know, with all the negativity and all the losses that Liverpool's had lately, it's still amazing they're still in the top 10. But um, Jurgen Klopp's going to get this turned around and uh, get things going so they can stay in that top 10 because Liverpool, who are currently the reigning champions of the Champions League, or rather of the uh, Premier League, are going to find themselves in Europa League next year if they don't get things moving. So uh, time is running out on them. As I said, Arsenal now in 10th place with 38 points. Miguel Arteta doing a good job there keeping the team in the top 10. Okay, moving on to Ligue 1 down there in France. Boy, I'll tell you what, this is turning into quite a race down there. You've got the three teams, actually four teams, that are um, basically within a, a stone's throw of the championship. Lille under Christophe Gaultier. Guy's doing just a great job there with this team. 62 points, but PSG right behind him at 60. If you have PSG behind you with the talent that they've got, you better not be looking over your shoulder too much. You better just be you know, concentrating on winning, okay? So PSG at 60. Uh, Pochettino doing a great job since taking over there. And uh, Rudy Garcia with Lyon. Lyon at 59 points has kept uh, Lyon right there in the middle, kept the heat on PSG in third place. Then you got Monaco right there at 55. You know, uh, PSG and Monaco played uh, a couple weeks ago, and that was a, a 2 nothing win for Monaco. Big win there for Monaco in that because that kept them within shouting distance of the uh, of the top spot there in Ligue 1. So, while I'm saying that Monaco, I don't think, could put on a mad rush and just leapfrog everybody, Monaco could make it interesting and become somewhat of a spoiler there in that fourth position. Lons is in fifth place, but look at the difference here from the number four to number five is 11 points. Lons is at 44 points, then Metz at 41, 
Montpellier at 40, Marseille at 39, Angers continues to do well with 39 points. They're in ninth position, and then Rennes comes in the 10th position in 10th place. That is Ligue 1, and that is a good race there between PSG and Leo for sure. Now, moving on to the Bundesliga, you remember back uh, somewhat uh, a couple months ago, um, Hertha Berlin got rid of their coach because they were just doing so bad, and they're still treading water and teetering right there on the edge of the uh, relegation zone in the Bundesliga. You don't like to see that with a team like Hertha Berlin because it's such a, a, a historic franchise. Well, they've gone back and hired a coach that they used to have before, and in fact, this is the guy who played for Hertha Berlin, got the most caps from Hertha Berlin. It's uh, Paul Donder. Uh, from uh, Hungary. Uh, this guy is uh, coached there from uh, February of uh, 2015 to June of uh, 2019. And uh, then he took back over again uh, around the 1st of February. Uh, as I said, he's from Hungary. Uh, he played in Hertha Berlin for over 10 years. Uh, so he's not a stranger to the franchise. Hopefully he can get them to a point where they can get up out of, you know, comfortably away from the relegation zone. So we'll see how it goes as the season winds down. Bayern Munich continues to lead the Bundesliga at 55 points. Uh, then right, RB Leipzig at 53. Wolfsburg continues to impress with a 45 points in third place. There is an eight-point spread between second and third, but Wolfsburg is looking very strong here coming down the stretch. Let's hope they can keep it up. Eintracht Frankfurt right there behind them at 43. Then Leverkusen at 40. Dortmund at 39. Of course, Dortmund losing to Bayern Munich in the Classic on uh, Sunday, Union Berlin hanging in there at uh, 35 points, SC Freiburg 34, Stuttgart in ninth place at 33rd, at 33 points rather, and Mönchengladbach also at 33 points, and they are in 10th place. Mönchengladbach, a good team, uh, maybe hit a couple of bumps there, but that's a team that should be ending up in the top 10 for sure. Okay, moving away from Germany, let's go over to España and look at La Liga. Or, uh, La Liga. Atletico Madrid, as I said, leading at 59 points with Barcelona right behind them at 56. Now, Barcelona, these last five games, 4-0-1. I know Barcelona's gotten a lot of negative publicity out there. It's been it's been a tough year for uh, Barcelona, to say the least, because of the publicity, uh, negative publicity, uh, for that matter. But when you're Barcelona and you have the talent that you have, you overcome that. And it's, it's really uh, something to see these guys concentrating on the football and leaving all the negative stuff uh, away. Okay, so Barcelona 4-0-1 last five games. They're at 56 points. They're just three points out of first place. Now, Real Madrid is at 54 points, and they are 3-0-2 in their last five games. Zidane doing a, a job there to keep everybody going and keep everybody uh, uh, concentrating on what they're doing. You got to like what he's doing there with the team. Then there's a six-point gap to fourth place, which is Sevilla. And then Real Sociedad's at 45 points after a 4-0-1 last five games. Real Sociedad, do not count them out. They could really cause problems and get into that uh, one of those four positions for Champions League. Real Betis, 39 points. Remember what I told you when uh, when my Pochettino got hired there at uh, Real Betis? Unbelievable, huh? Yeah, he is doing something else, and Real Betis right up there in the top 10 there in La Liga. Villarreal at 37 points, and Atletico Bilbao at 33 points. They were 2-0-3 last five games, no, no losses. Celta de Vigo, 33, and Granada at 33. Granada with Diego Martinez sneaking into the top 10. Let's hope he can keep him there. He is doing a great job with a payroll that is next to nothing. Very good. Moving on to the Italian League, Serie A. Inter Milan, 5-0 this past week, 59 points. AC Milan right behind him at 56. Then Juventus at 52. Roma at 50. Then Atalanta at 49. 
Atalanta 4-0-1 last five games. Napoli 47, Lazio 43, and um, Verona 38 points. There's a five-point gap between Lazio and Verona. And, you know, Lazio is really looking to get up to where, you know, to where Roma is in fourth position. There's a real fight there to get to that last position in Champions League uh, qualification. And Sassuolo at 36, and Sampdoria continues to be in the top 10. They are doing a great job, 32 points. So Italian League, um, Inter Milan and AC Milan, it's not over till the last whistle probably in that race. Let's take a look now at the Mexican League. Cruz Azul continues on top at 24 points with America right behind them at 22. Cruz Azul 5-0 last five games. Monterrey Rayados 18, Toluca 18, and Santos 18 points. Then Puebla, 3-0-2 last five games, 16 points. Puebla showing a good uh, start here. Atlas, 4-0-1 last five games, 15 points. Then Tijuana with 13. Chivas, one win, zero losses, four ties last five. 12 points, and Atletico San Luis rounds out the top 10 at 12 points as well. Great stuff coming up this week on TV as far as the world football is concerned. Oh, here's that rematch in the Champions League between Juventus and Porto. Of course, Porto is up 2-1 in that, and they're going to Torino. <laughs> that should be an interesting match for sure. CBS Sports Network on Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern time. Don't miss that one. Dortmund and Sevilla, if you want to watch something else, that's on Galavision, Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Uh, Dortmund up 3-2 in that aggregate. Uh, Copa Libertadores uh, is going to be also on, on being sport on Tuesday around 5 o'clock, and that'll be Santos from Brazil playing in that game. On Wednesday, PSG Barcelona, Univision. Uh, PSG up 4-1 in that aggregate. Remember that game. Uh, that's at 3 o'clock Eastern time on Univision Wednesday, PSG Barcelona. Liverpool and RB Leipzig are going to play uh, on Wednesday on Galavision, and Liverpool's up 2-0 in that uh, aggregate. Also, Copa Libertadores on Wednesday. Uh, BN Sports got a game at 5.15 p.m., and then BN Sport in Spanish has got a game at 7.30 p.m., as well as BN Sport in English. And on Thursday, Europa League action takes center stage. Slavia Praha against Celtic, or rather Glasgow Rangers uh, from Scotland. Of course, you know, they just won their uh, championship, but now they're going to see if they can't take Europa League as well. TUDN.com is where that game can be seen. That's at the 12.55 Eastern time. Man United against AC Milan. That is a great matchup. It's on Unimas. That will be at 1 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday. Unimas, Man United, and AC Milan. Boy, what a matchup that is. 3 o'clock Thursday as well. Tottenham playing Dynamo Zagreb in um, Europa League action. On Saturday, BN Sport, a triple header if you're interested. That's right, BN Sport with a triple header from La Liga. we got Real Madrid at 10.15, Osasuna at 12.30. Hitafi and Atletico Madrid are at 3 o'clock. On Saturday afternoon, all these times are Eastern. Uh, Hatafi, of course, the southern um, neighborhood, southern suburb, you might say, of Madrid. So Hatafi Atletico Madrid in that one. Then on Sunday, a uh, EPL matchup of Arsenal and Tottenham at 12.30 Eastern time. And then Man U and West Ham are going to play at 3.15 on Sunday Eastern time. Those are two excellent matchups. Should be on NBC Sports Network. Then a, a triple header in League 1. On B in Sport on Sunday, and that's from France. 10 a.m., 12:05 p.m., and 4 p.m. are the uh, game times in that. PSG will be playing in the late game at four o'clock. That's on B in Sport, a triple header Sunday from the French league. 
USA Northern Ireland get it on on the 28th of March. That's in Belfast. That will be a great game. We will give you more details of the uh, players and who will be available as time goes on and we get closer to that game. Very good. That's all the time we have. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Dan McClay. Lauren McClay is the producer of Kicks and Dribbles. John Dang handles the sound. DC McClay is in our ideas department. Please keep washing your hands. Please, uh, you know, just uh, social distance because we're getting this, uh, looks like we're getting this pandemic thing on the back burner. This is where we want it. We want it out of here so that we can get fans back in the stadium and enjoy all this great soccer action. Okay. And please, for whatever you do, don't let your life have too many yellow cards.